Welcome to the Profitable Farmer Podcast, where it's all about increasing the profitability of your farm by working smarter, not harder. G'day and welcome to Profitable Farmer once again. I hope you're all incredibly well. And for those of you that have been affected by these recent floods, our thoughts are with you and we genuinely hope that you um, have a safe and speedy recovery. Um, In this podcast, I'm delighted once again, a couple of times a year, we ask for our resident investment specialist in Terry Tran, Freedom Trader, to join us and to give us one, a snapshot of the broader economic climate, the equities markets, what's happening, and also to give those of us that are looking to and are already actively investing off farm some insights as to how to create wealth more strongly through off-farm investments as well as farm business management. So um, we were lucky enough to have Terry join us for a full day of incredible investment training with our um, Platinum Mastermind members in September 2021, so now just over four months ago. And it is unbelievable to think for a moment as to just how much the landscape's changed even since then. Um, it's perfect timing, I think, with where we're up to as a country with COVID, where we're up to as a a globe um, with the Ukraine and Russian um, war and so many other dynamics. Um, It's perfect timing that we reconnect with Terry and just get his take on what is happening and what it means for us as farmers and investors. Terry, welcome again to Profitable Farmer. Great to have you. Thank you, Jeremy. Always glad to be here and uh, always a lot of fun as well. Terry, um, you've had some wet weather in Sydney. Oh, lately. <laughs> um, Thankfully, my home's okay. Well, we're on high land, so we haven't been affected. But uh, yeah, just driving through a lot of uh, different suburbs and just seeing the amount of water. Yeah. Um, yeah, really haven't seen this much water in consecutively as well for about a month and a half, which is quite yeah, incredible. Are we going to reflect, Terry, on the last few months and, and the impact of COVID and those sorts of things? But for me, where I sit, we've, we've had this unbelievable fire event two years ago. We moved yeah. straight into COVID. Um, now we're into floods and now we're into wartime. Um, yeah. it's, it's a really unique combination of local and global events that we're seeing. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, no, definitely. And and this is one of the reasons, and I think I would say the primary reason why it's such an important thing to ensure that, you know, obviously, uh, tragedies or, you know, from time to time they happen, but it's also, it just reminds us to ensure that we are always financially okay, no matter what happens, because I, I really do feel sorry for the people who, uh, for example, let's say the, um, the ones who are in Lismore, where they've gone through COVID, that, like, um, like you said, uh, after a couple of years now, and then now surviving and get another one, another major hit. And now they're literally, they've lost their entire, not only business, but also even the business premises as well. So, you know, very hard to recover now. And, um, and, and, and a lot of people probably won't, you know, by the time every, all the cleanups are all done. So hence why, you know, why um, I do this to, to help as many people as you can. And there's um, as many business owners as well as farmers to ensure that financial security and safety blank, blanket they have as well. And that's available to all of us. I think sometimes so many of us think that we've got to create wealth in our farm or in our jobs or in our businesses, and later on we're going to get into this whole thing of investing. Um, Terry, what would you say to those people that have that mindset? 
I always say don't wait uh, because yes, uh, the vehicle that we have in the job or the business, uh, that's that cash flow vehicle. And then it's really important that, you know, that cash flow vehicle, a lot of people do save, like they channel money into bank accounts. But these days, as we're all aware, the bank accounts pay us pretty much nothing. So you can do that. But in actual fact, by doing so, you're actually going backwards because of inflation that's at the moment even running rampant over the last few years. So your money is going backwards. And by doing so, you might think you're saving, but you're actually going backwards year after year. So hence why we do need to invest properly um, and, of course, safely um, and to generate that return, go above inflation and just get started no matter how small because some people just think that that you need this this massive amount of capital just get to get started but they're not aware of just even trading investing say in stocks like a savings plan i get it when say you need to invest in uh, another block of land another farm uh, property that yes you do need a massive deposit borrow a ton of money from the bank through leverage but with stocks you can literally treat it like a savings plan and just get started even as little as $100 per week or, or whatever it is. Whatever you can afford and you're comfortable, just start just start savings. But rather than savings, start buying undervalued stocks or companies and build it that way. Thanks, Terry. It's a great comment to open on. Hey, um, can you just give us your take on what's playing out globally? Um, and um, perhaps even starting with Russia, Ukraine, and then COVID, what are you seeing and and how do you see it playing out for us here in Australia? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Russian and Ukraine, uh, this invasion, it really is a, a, a massive tragedy, especially when you see the, um, you know, the news and people running. And it just even takes me back uh, almost 45 years ago myself because our, our family also escaped back then. If For some of you who already know my story, we escaped by boat in the middle of the night uh, back those days after the fall of Vietnam, uh, the Vietnam War as well, also to escape communism as well as the oppression. Um, so totally ex- um, understand what 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 you know what the um, the poor Ukrainians are actually going through. But I think what what this event is is that's occurring now is it's really just speeding up the process for of what I call a global shift what, that was in fact already happening, and that global shift was uh, in fact. Uh, uh, you know, without going to the politics, is that I, I do want to explain what that global shift actually means prior to this Ukrainian conflict as well. And in the end, money always needs to find a home and it always will try to find a home. In other words, a home that gives it a, a return. Hence why over the last few years now, both stocks as well as property, the property market have been... Um, they've been the place to go since bank interest rates are, are close to zero. And... That global shift now is it's shifting now because as interest rates are expected to rise, a lot of the assets, um, you know, uh, a lot of these stocks, property, they are now overvalued and hence why money is getting pulled out of it. And this Ukrainian-Russian conflict is just going to speed up the process. In other words, um, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, inflation and how that affects interest rates. But as interest rates start rising, then rather than having uh, the, I guess, the, um, the only option of just investing in high risk assets like property or stocks, uh, they can now have, uh, the home can also now be cash. And that's why money is getting or transitioning across from from uh, stocks and property over to cash with the highest, gradually higher interest rates. Um, yeah. So with this Ukrainian conflict, it's just going to speed up the process now because of inflation. It makes sense. I think we're already seeing it, aren't we, with fuel prices and other things playing out and a lot of the narrative in media um, 
I can completely understand how you frame it up that 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 um, invasion is going to speed up that global shift. Yes. What's your What's your read on interest rates and inflation in particular, Terry? Yeah, they, in, interest rates and inflation they're very heavily linked because in the end, governments use this uh, use the uh, the monetary policy tool, which is really in the end interest rates. So what what they always gather data on is inflation. And as you may be aware, inflation is now running rampant across the globe, uh, not only in Australia, but also in the United States. I mean, United States, the new inflationary data just came out, and I believe it's about 7.5% for the quarter. And that's massive because governments always want to, around the world, no matter what government, they always want inflation to sit at about that 2 to 3% per annum. And that's sort of that comfort level. Hence why I say that people who don't invest and just put their money in cash, they are going backwards by usually 2 to 3% per year, because if you don't have any return beyond that rate by leaving the bank, next year that $100 is now worth $97, for example. So that's the rate that every government always wants. But now with the, the rate at 75 to 8% on the United States, but also in Australia, it's just uh, data's just come out at about 35 to almost uh, going towards 4% on inflation. And what that means is that in order to control the inflation or rampant inflation, our Aussie government plus the United States, uh, the Fed, what they're trying to do is now, they are actually not what they want to do, they will be doing it uh, this coming month, is start increasing interest rates to slow down the spending and slow down that inflationary, um, you know, the figure and hopefully keep it at bay to not go beyond double digits as well. So what do you predict crystal ball might be our reality for interest rates over the next sort of 6, 12, 18 months, Terry? Do you have a view? Yeah, my, my view definitely. I don't know what the rate's going to be, but with Australia being at, uh, what, 0 0.1, uh, United States at 0 0.25, literally zero, and uh, across the globe, the only country that has a higher interest rates and has room to move is really China. The rest of the globe, including Europe, are literally at zero rates. So what that means is that it is a dangerous game because what that means is if rates are at literally sitting at zero, if there is a, a major global issue, the government cannot utilize that tool to actually even go below, like drop the interest rates to, to stimulate demand anymore. So in actual fact, they do need to increase the rates. So the United States has already come out and it's actually not a crystal ball anymore because they've said that they're going to interest rates, increase the interest rates by between 0.25 or quarter percent to half percent this coming month, literally in March. And then they're going to have between another four to seven rate rises over the coming two to three years. They're already saying that. They've already said that. That's that's yeah. that's already come out from the Fed, from Jeremy Powell. And whatever the United States does, generally Australia does actually follow suit. Um, and our, our RBA always watches what they do. And the reason they do that is because they also don't want our interest rates to be too big of a difference because ultimately higher interest rates also attract investments. And if, if our rates are too low compared to, say, the United States, all the money will flow over to the United States and our Aussie dollar also drop as well at the same time. So they want to keep the Aussie dollar stable, but also investment dollars sitting in the country and not leaving our shores as well. Terry, three years ago, if this had have happened, we wouldn't have had um, that whole phenomenon of COVID and a whole lot of government um, hmm. liquidity raising. Um, what impact has COVID had now that we're arriving into this reality? Yeah, 
I think COVID, the, the government did the right thing by obviously creating a bit of, they, and they had to, they had no choice. They had to create the stimulus so a lot of businesses won't you know, go down to Gurgler. So they lowered rates even further to two, two or three years ago once COVID hit. And funny enough, now it's March as we're, as we're talking, it's literally two, two, years away, uh, two years ago since COVID hit. And then the, the, all the global governments around the world all, all acted together and lowered interest rates. And by doing what they've done, though, is um, they have created massive stimulus. But at the same time, I think they've allowed it to go probably a little bit too long. And therefore, they, and hence why we now have this runaway inflationary problem, because uh, not only a lot of, not only a lot of people having a lot of um, money to spend, a lot of people also have increased their spending, uh, their, their savings a lot, and not not being able to travel as well, all that dollars is now going to you know, purchasing other goods and services, and uh, i.e. home renovations, et cetera. And that's also creating inflation on all multiple fronts as well. So that COVID has created this, um, we didn't see it at the, at the start, but it has actually created this inflationary problem that we have now. And now the government's trying to stop it from going even further. And so how do you think we will recover as a country um, post-COVID in this new climate of high inflation and, and increasing interest rates? I think the uh, there, there's no doubt that the Aussie, the Australian government will definitely increase their interest rates to slow down inflation. But there's a sort of a balancing act on the other hand because uh, I wouldn't say that we're fully, totally recovered, especially business owners that have this, have had this um, sort of stop and start mentality where Every time they they think that you know we're out of the woods, and then all of a sudden the, there's a government lockdown, and again the businesses suffer again. So I think there's that balancing act where they will definitely increase rates um, to slow down inflation, but also not go too fast that it literally jeopardizes the the, the growth of um, our economy as well. Terry, it's great to get that overview from you. Coming back to what it means for the stock market and for um, equity investors. Um, what would what what are you seeing um, in the equities market, and what are you seeing it um, mean for investors? Right. So in this last few years now, in what what we call the normal low risk, low interest rate environment that we've had, really across the broad, uh, the board, which we've seen as well, most stocks as well as industries actually do do quite well because that low interest rate stimulates you know demand for their goods and services as well as the uh, the companies uh, themselves that will borrow money to expand their own, you know, their business. So most stocks actually do quite well. So while in this, in that type of in low risk environment, uh, we've always used what I call the bottom up analysis, which just means that we always study the stock first and then worry about the market. In other words, we are looking for the best companies out there, utilizing um, very strict criteria, and then ensuring that the market is safe to therefore invest. Um, and as well as you know, focusing, choosing the right stocks that generally do do well, and we don't even mind in this that type of great environment to sometimes even pay a, a fair value or even slightly pay pay um, overpay for them, so to speak. Hence, why you've seen a lot of the tech stocks being valued quite highly. And the only thing though is that it's no longer the case because as interest rates start rising, then that's the shift that I've been talking about. That it's already now in place. So we need to now change our strategy to rather than going from bottom up, going back to top down. In other words, understand the global picture 
and then within this global picture, now choose the stocks. So it's almost like a 180 switch from um, stock first to now market first, because as you know, the, if the markets you know start declining, it pulled, it actually does pull down even the, the greatest of the great companies as well in terms of stock prices. So we need to understand the macro factors that actually uh, determine these stock prices as well. And by doing so, it's, it is therefore very important that we do understand the market cycle and in fact, where we are in the current market cycle as this in fact is very important to help structure uh, any current portfolio if you've got one or if you're looking at starting something, how to actually structure the portfolio that's going to affect your returns um, over the next, uh, I'd say, one to five years because it then allows you to get the, the returns you want but also do it in a safe manner as well by understanding the market cycle and where we are in this market cycle. So I completely understand how now in particular a review and a restructure of the, our portfolios is really important. Now we're going into a different market. Um, before we get into that, though, what drives that change in yeah. the market cycle? Yeah, great question, Jeremy. Uh, in the end, there's actually four major I call them four major macro forces that do drive global stock markets around the world. And it's not even, even just stock, uh, the stock market as per se, but into other assets, even, for example, like the property market as, as well, because all asset classes are actually linked. So the first factor is, in fact, uh, the, the country as well as also company growth as well. And when I talk about that, uh, when I say country, it just means you know GDP, which is the gross domestic product, is our country growing as a nation? And of course, that's linked to corporate earnings, the companies that are both small, medium-sized businesses, as well as the corporates out there, are they also growing their earnings as well? So that's one of the major factors. On the other one, uh, number two would be inflationary rates, which is what we've been talking about uh, already. And the inflationary rate has been really, I think it's been this rampant inflation, like we've said, has been just speeded up in terms of the uh, the rate uh, by this excess of stimulus cash handouts that the government has given us because of the you know because of covid but then at the same time we've also had global uh, supply chain issues because of covid as well so that's even speeded up that that inflationary um, um, that data that's that's coming out as well and then on top of that now number 3 another hit's come through which is the russian and ukraine crisis and with all this su uh, supply the squeezing of you know um, as you've said uh, the oil prices uh, gas prices and uh, even coal, and of course uh, for farmers who 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 have farmed wheat, uh, they they've also seen massive increases in uh, both um, wheat as well as barley prices potentially as well. Uh, since you know, ultimately Russia is such a big producer in these type of commodities, um, and even the uh, precious metals like palladium for for cars as well. So that's the other factor, inflationary rates, and then the third one is interest rates, because interest rates linked to inflation, like we said earlier, higher inflation is controlled by you know, the government and the, um, the central banks will increase interest rates to slow down that inflation as well. So like I said, the, the US Fed has already priced in and they're expecting that quarter percent to half percent over the next month or two. And then we'll have another four to five interest rate rises, which in the end, the whole world will probably follow suit as well. And then the fourth one, and the last fourth last one, would be what I call the risk premium. And what that means, the risk premium, it just means that 
in the end, when you're when we as humans inv- invest in you know stocks or property, it's classified still as a risk asset versus say the safety of a term deposit in the bank, which really doesn't have much risk at all. So people who now invest in a stock would want to see a, a, a potentially higher return. So therefore they will demand either a lower price to, to buy the stock because the lower you pay, the higher the potential return. So that risk premium is going to be demanded by uh, by the uh, potential investor as well. So they are pretty much the the four global macro factors that that drive global stock prices around the world. So given all of that, Terry, how have you been restructuring your portfolio over this time and and what recommendations are you making to your clients um, who are all part of your Freedom Trader? coaching program yeah we have over the last few months now we have actually transitioned from just from seeing all that all the data that's coming out we've been transitioning from what i call value invest uh, sorry growth investing to now value investing so growth investing just means that being able to go from the the higher price say tech sector um and not even necessarily just the, the tech sectors like you know the googles the facebooks uh, uh, the semiconductor industry things things like that but also highly valued companies like uh, the Nikes of the world, uh, the Louis Vuitton of of the world, which they were not cheap stocks. But because of the global demand uh, from all the stimulus, these stocks uh, were actually priced quite highly. But now they are generally the ones that fall the most. And uh, if you just check out their stock price, you'll see that they've dropped quite dramatically over the the, the last month or two, simply because we're already seeing this transition that's actually happening right now. So now that fourth fact that I mentioned of that risk premium, people want to now demand a high return. So they're not willing to pay for a, as much for, uh, no matter how gro- uh, growth oriented the company is, they are unwilling to pay that price. So they're demanding a lower price for those stocks now. So we are seeing now uh, a lot of the, not only investors like us, but the big global fund managers and super funds, pension funds around the world, what they're doing is now they're buying cheaper undervalued stocks instead. So very important that, if we are aware of this, we don't. Um, we are very selective of the stocks we buy, and therefore don't overpay for the stock as well. Because if you overpay, one, the risk is that you won't get the return by holding on to those stocks. But the other risk is that uh, is that by buying them, you've got that potential risk of a stock price after you've bought it to actually drop as well, and therefore seeing your portfolio as a whole also drop as well. So that's why it's important to have a structure now, the portfolio to hold only undervalued stocks, especially for long-term investing, and therefore you get the returns, but also are able to sleep well at night because you you have that safety aspect as well. On that, Terry, would you mind just speaking to the method by which you value stocks and determine between those that are growth versus those that are value investments? Uh, Sure. I mean, we... We utilize a, our own proprietary uh, calculator, which um, I provide all our students, and they, 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 um, it's the equity multiple method. But however, without having even having to do that, uh, there's a another simple method, for example, uh, the PE ratio. So the price to earning rate ratio, the price divided by earnings. And it's a it's not the most accurate, but it is at least a, a an approximation. And a lot of our, um, our listeners will probably um, be quite aware of that PE ratio. And just to give you an example, Prior to the downturn, the stocks like, say, Nike, they were priced at uh, PE ratios of 40 to 50, 40 and above. So what that means is that if you owned a Nike, based on its current earnings, 
you'd take it will take you about 40 to 50 years to get your money back. If Nike, if Nike literally did not earn an extra dollar, they just earned the same amount of money every single year based on the current price. Now, with the recent drop, Nike has actually dropped down to a PE of down to 30. So they literally, because of the price drop, you can now buy Nike at 30 times earnings versus almost 45 to 50 times earnings only about a month ago. So again, now, if you had purchased Nike, you would have lost uh, quite a substantial amount of your portfolio by investing in, in highly expensive stocks like Nike as well. And then that's not even to mention the other crazy stocks like Tesla, which really, you know, as a car company, makes hardly anything, but yet is priced at you know, a, a trillion dollar car company. But as we've probably seen, uh, you know, that stock is quite volatile and it's dropped about 30% since as well. So, but now the uh, that valuation, by doing that, you could easily see the other very undervalued stocks that, um, that, for example, General Motors or even Intel, for example, you're only paying between five to, to 10 times earnings. So it's literally five to 10 years worth of earnings versus something, uh, between 30 to almost 50 times earnings. So that's where the whole world is now transitioning, going towards that end. So by using something like the PE ratio, it actually does allow you to avoid very highly priced stocks. So what are some of the other opportunities that you're seeing out there, Terry, um, in that in that transition away from growth and towards buying good value? Oh, at the moment, especially with the uh, Ukraine and Russian crisis, a lot of the European stocks are now... I call it go on going on sale. So a lot of the European banks, especially as well, even the American banks, are always go also go on sale because of all the you know the bad news about potential you know sanctions against Russia, for example. So a lot of these stocks have actually dropped you know easily 15, 20, 25 percent in the last month alone. So a lot of different sectors are now technically on sale. But the question is, do we now get into it? Uh, not yet, simply because, like I said, back in the old, in the good old times. When everything or the world is safe, you will look at the stock first and will salivate with us, us, with that type of price drop. But now, because of the, all the crisis and that's what's happening, it's also important that we look at the macro view and go from a top down and ensure that the world is first safe and then go into the stocks. Even though it's, it already has dropped 20%, we want it could even drop even further with all this uh, conflict. And I do see that in May over the coming month as well, depending on how, of course, how things go. So what else are you doing to help your clients navigate that potential downside? Uh, we've just been going to, with all the tools we have, we saw this, um, not to say that we saw you know, Russia doing the, uh, going invading the exact date, et cetera. We never saw that. But however, we saw a, lot of, a couple of our tools actually already signified, and they were exactly the, the, the tools that we showed during that, that one-day event as well. Um, and we saw that and it literally shows that there's something going wrong and to help navigate a lot of our students, including myself, we actually exited uh, to the safety of cash. So a lot of our students and myself, we're holding between 40 to 60% cash right now, which is an incredible position because, you know, people say, oh, cash earns you nothing. Why would you hold cash? I mean, in terms of, in times of crisis, cash is king because, it allows you to have that cash, and then when the bargains do happen, and then eventually we have that chance to finally buy and get back into the market, we've got all, all this cash to now take advantage of the bargains that is that is out there. Just like you know when you go to Woolworths or Coles, and all the sale items are at the front of the store, that's what we are seeing now. Uh, we just want to make sure it's it's it's, safe, it's a safe environment, and then have our cash that we've already sold down come back in and um, 
yeah, and make the purchase. And that's in fact, you know, post downturns are in fact one of the biggest um, opportunities to make the returns you want with very low risk as well. Is it too late for people to be adjusting their portfolio towards cash? Um, not. It depends. Different industries that have been sold down, probably. There are still some that are okay and we sold down. So only yesterday, in fact, we sold down a couple of companies as well because that was still highly priced and then taking that opportunity to also sell down. So we've just been on a selling spree over the past month. So no, uh, definitely not too late, depending on industry and depending on the actual individual stock. Terry, if I reflect on what we've seen over the last few years, we probably wouldn't have predicted such confidence and such an uplift, as certainly in the property market, but in other sectors as well, rural land, commodities. Um, I feel like we've gone through a period with low inflation, low interest rates of real optimism and real confidence. Um, to what degree is um, the change that we're now seeing and that shift that you're talking about, fear and media even driven, um, or is it more than that? Is it a fundamental shift that we're seeing or is it something different? Uh, it's, uh, I would say it's both. Uh, definitely the emotional aspect uh, plays a very big part because, like you said, last year pretty much all asset classes were up. Uh, they were going up from property markets People going to auctions, trying to um, trying to, you know, bid down their last dollar and over potentially even overpaying for the house because uh, they didn't want to, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out of missing out the house, and literally property market as even the stock market was was also at the at the high. And I classify when I see that type of thing, I see that as um, euphoria. And then all of a sudden, back in January, there was a, a bit of talk of a interest rate rise, and the market actually started dropping, and even the real estate market uh, stabilized, and even but uh, in that one quarter, dropped down a little bit. and But then a funny funny thing is that because nothing really happened, the markets, including the stock market, actually went back up a little bit. And that's when I, I would say it's probably complacency because people just think that, oh, it's a bit of a dip in the market, but the good news and the good times will keep on rolling on. But now where I'm probably seeing is probably a bit of anxiety because of all the constant barrage of news headlines that's coming out literally over the past, especially about the past Two weeks now, literally every single piece of news that's coming out is either you know from flood to um, Ukraine crisis and inflationary um, um, inflationary uh, data coming out. So that's now causing fear, and therefore people are in fact selling down the the um, you know the market as well, and which we've seen a lot of companies dropping easily twenty to thirty percent in the last month alone. Uh, so that's been anxiety, and then I think the next phase will be probably the ones who have lost money. I would say that they are, they'll probably be in denial that, oh, it's happened now. And then eventually it's going to go into a full-blown panic if uh, the market drops even further. And that's what a lot of people do. They end up panicking selling at the worst possible time, where in fact you should be you know, salivating and doing the research, being prepared, and then uh, knowing that this would happen and therefore pick up the bargains on the uh, right up towards the, bargain, uh, towards the bottom as well and taking advantage oh. of it. It's really good to hear you describe that. So being proactive rather than reactive, and, and now's a great time to be looking at our respective portfolios. Yeah, um, definitely. And, yeah, strengthening our position so we're ready to take advantage of um, whatever plays out into 
the next few months and beyond. Yes. What is it that you would have us do? Can we just go through some action points, if you like, that can help those listening um, be ahead of the game and not caught up in those emotional and market cycles that you talk about? You know, definitely. I always say it's better to be prepared and therefore by being prepared, you're not caught up in that all that market mayhem and you also avoid not only the market cycle, but you also avoid the the emotional cycle that a lot of investors um, and I call them, you know, amateurs also go through because of uh, fear-driven headlines as well. So I would say that the very first step is that if um, for anybody who actually already has a portfolio is to review your current portfolio, the current holdings you have, by simply asking that question to yourself, you know, is this the, the company or which is the stock? And just always remember, a stock in the end is not a, a stock code. It's always a company behind it. And is that company uh, currently overvalued and highly priced? And the other question I'd ask is, you know, am I comfortable holding onto this current, current stock or company through good times as well as the current bad times as well? And I'd say, you know, some people go, yep, because they, it's just human bias. If they hold on to something and it's it's a, it's already a loss, they, they're reluctant to sell because even if it potentially is a bad company and they know it's a bad company, it's because they just don't want to admit that, you know, the, um, the mistake they've made or the loss. It's just human psychology. But then the flip side of it is it's very easy to, to know where, whether it's, it's a, a company that you should or shouldn't hold by just asking yourself, now at these current prices or if it goes even lower, would I be willing to buy even more? And that question will, will easily answer that question as in, you know, is this a company that I'm, I'm comfortable holding? Because if you're not planning to buy more, then that means you're not comfortable with the company at all. But if the company drops down in, in, in price and you're planning to buy even more and you get excited, then that is a company that you should hold on to and buy more of. So that's the one, uh, one of the first action steps. And then on the, the second action step, I'd probably say review your current cash position. So if you're like us at the moment, we're holding 40, between 40 and 60% cash, we've actually got quite cashed up, which is great. It's a great position to be in. And if you do have that cash, then not a problem then in months down the track, you, you are, uh, you've got that capacity to therefore take advantage of the market bargains that's going to happen. But if you don't then, then maybe consider and think about not only your stock portfolio, but uh, ask yourself you know, from your farm, what else can, uh, first of all, if you do have a stock portfolio, what could you sell to raise cash to increase, you know, lower your stock position, but raise cash within the portfolio? But if you don't have um, anything to sell, then potentially ask yourself, you know, on the from your farming operations, could I raise cash from the cash flow that I'm generating and have that set aside, not necessarily to buy anything now, but getting ready when the time does come to, to make take advantage of the market and put that cash to, you know, to use and allowing that money to finally generate an incredible return because downturns are in fact one of the best opportunities to utilize the cash in a very low risk manner as well. So that's number two. Uh, number three, I'd say, think about you know Warren Buffett calls it the uh, the margin of safety. So whenever you buy something, ensure that you are not overpaying for it by you know understanding the valuation uh, through a simple thing that I I shared earlier about just looking at the the price to earnings ratio and are you overpaying for that company just by using um, a simple PE ratio, for example. Uh, in other words, have that mindset to. Therefore, invest scared. I, I call it invest scared, not invest being fearful, but just being even more super cautious of every time you put your dollar out there to invest, 
you know, you need to assess whether uh, there is enough, what I call enough of a risk to reward ratio for you to take that action. If that upside doesn't, you know, um, compensate you for the, the potential massive downside, then that investment should not be made at all. Hold back onto it. There's always a better opportunity. So that's number three. I'd say number four would be, uh, I think this year is to definitely lower the, the return expectations because a lot of people have seen the last few years, as, uh, both in the property market and stock market, and they think that this is going to keep on going forever. You'll make you know, 20, 30% returns is normal. It is not normal. The last few years has been what I call a Goldilocks period. It's just low interest rates creating this with all this stimulus from around the, uh, the global governments has created a, a, a massive demand of you know, of demand for goods and services, hence company profits have risen, hence stock prices have risen. So just lower the expectations of returns. Therefore, that way you invest properly. And therefore, when you do make, you know, uh, no longer that 20, 30%, but you're still making 10% or 15%, be happy about it because that's what the market is giving you. So I always say, try not to force returns. Let the market dictate what the market will give you and always take the low hanging fruit. Don't Pile on the risk just to match what you uh, achieved last year. By doing so, what happens is if things go wrong, they go wrong very badly as well. So uh, invest um, cautiously. And then I'd say the last one would be um, we're holding our, our, you know, our uh, next uh, online masterclass. Come along. Literally everything we've just covered, we'll be going through in detail and you'll be learning how to assess where we are in the market uh, after that and also assess literally being able to have that skill to be able to sift out the, what I call the rubbish stocks from the good stocks. Thanks, Terry. So just to go back over those five action steps, and for those of you with a pen and with a portfolio, I think this is really important. Review your current portfolio, review your current cash position, check in on margin of safety, and lower your return expectations for the next 12 to 24 months. Mm. Um, I think point five, just to speak to that, I'm midway through your program mm. as a student with you, Terry. I'm enjoying it immensely. I think so many of us might have superannuation or investments in managed funds being looked after by people we don't know, um, invested in stocks that we're not clear on, getting a return that we're not sure of. Um, I am really enjoying this opportunity to learn how to value stocks myself, um, certainly looking beyond local stocks and looking at international stocks and playing in the global market, um, but also understanding these cycles and trends in more detail so that I can be more proactive in how we manage our wealth creation off-farm. Um, as coaches, we talk about you've got to learn before you earn. And for those of you listening, uh, Terry is our resident investment specialist because we we value him, we we respect his approach, and we love that he's giving it all away, teaching us all to be self-reliant as investors in the stock market. Um, a couple of times a year, we do support Terry and his masterclasses. We have one coming up in a week's time on the 23rd of March a link to that is included in the intro to this podcast. And we'd love for you all to jump on it um, and learn more about how to value stocks, 
how to understand economic and local market trends and how to make sure that your portfolio is safe um, and is well set up given that we are moving into a very unique and different type of market to that that we've been experiencing over the last two years. I think your comment at the start, Terry, that we are in a, a significant shift um, away from a very strong market where everything's been on the uplift into, and I think you just framed it just there as a downturn. It might be a significant downturn. And so that requires a different thought process. It does require us all to review. It does require us to be very proactive and strategic in our investing. I can't recommend this um, masterclass coming up next week highly enough to start getting a deeper insight into um, taking control of your own investing and taking control of your own off-farm wealth creation. Terry, um, in all of that, and I hope you don't mind that plug, um, I do mean that sincerely. I think, you know, the way you teach this and the way you make it simple and meaningful for people is second to none. So thank you for that. But but just to, just to start to wrap up, what is your assessment of the market we've been in and what is your assessment of the market we're going into? Um, and what would be a final comment as to how to help people make sure that they're set up to make the transition? Yep. The market we've been in has been a very easy market in a way to invest um, and even trade as well, simply because uh, we've been in, in a, on a, a massive bull run since the GFC with uh, global governments all pretty much giving a hand with uh, lower interest rates around the globe and uh, almost like a... Um, uh, what I call a, a what a a tailwind that has just pushed things across because you know money need like I said money needs a home and with low interest rates and uh, from pensioners to retirees who not getting a, a decent return they're trying to find a home and that home has been stock the stocks as well as the property market so that's been this massive tailwind tailwind over the last decade literally so what we are now going to is a very going to be a very different environment which is going to be high inflation central governments around the world upping their interest rates. And now the home that uh, over the past 10 years that people thought was was uh, was the only option, there's now going to be another option, which is now uh, potential cash. If interest rates now start rising, uh, term deposit rates, uh, people can put money back into the bank and at least, yes, they may not get the, the, the double-digit returns, but they're going to at least get a, a decent return with um, extremely, pretty much extremely low risk or even pretty much no risk as well. So it's a very different environment, hence why you do need to navigate properly. And therefore, by doing so, avoid highly priced stocks, but also still not, not be scared because of this environment, but now be more patient to wait for the big dips or the big drops. And when they do happen, pounce on it because they only come once in a while. And when they do come, you should pounce on it because those returns post Post um, drops or post crashes are one of the most extraordinary type returns you'll ever get with very low risk because every company, every stock always has a, a baseline value. And when it gets close to that, not only ourselves, we see it, but all these big smart fund managers, they see it as well. So they're doing the same calculations and they will come in and pounce on that same opportunity. And they are the guys that will, because of demand and supply, they'll demand the stocks as well. Then therefore, the prices go back up very quickly as well on those undervalued shares. But Terry, we've seen um, a real uplift in 
farm balance sheets. You know, land values have, have increased significantly. Interest rates have been low. So a lot of us have been able to consolidate. A lot of people have had some really strong years. Um, commodity prices have been strong. Mm. So, you know, for those of you that are in that position of having strong results and balance sheet growth, I think now's the perfect time to be learning more about investing and looking at your option to diversify and create wealth off farm. Again, I think this masterclass next Wednesday is the perfect place to start. Um, Terry, as always, wonderful to have you part of Profitable Farmer. Thank you for bringing um, an economic and a local and global update and spin on what you're seeing. And it's just such good insights to help people be prepared and proactive as we move into perhaps a different market climate. Uh, always very welcome and always glad to be here um, and just giving, yeah, pretty much giving my all and just um, allowing uh, the farmers to know exactly what is happening and sort of sift sift out you know all the headlines and really know what's going on behind the scenes and behind all those headlines that's out in the uh, on the news. It's a great point, Terry, just in finishing. It can be quite overwhelming reading the headlines and trying to predict and navigate all of that fear and uncertainty and sentiment that we're seeing right now. Um, again, thanks for your ability to, to make it simple and to help us cut through all of that and stay true to the fundamentals. Now, thank you for always having me, Jeremy. My pleasure. Thank, thanks for your time, Terry. So, ladies and gents, wonderful to connect with Terry again. Again, a cracking um, mentor and coach in the off-farm investing space. Um, for those of you interested, join us. Uh, next week for our um, off-farm masterclass with Terry focused on creating real wealth off-farm safely. Terry, thanks again. Take care, everyone, and we'll look forward to checking in with you all again in a couple of weeks. Bye for now. Thanks, Jeremy. Bye.